This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Ask Amy. All this week, we are focusing on domestic violence and domestic violence awareness. That's why this week we've invited Brandy Lowry from Lone Star Legal Aid. And this is what you do for a living is is help people and deal with people. Um, So I'll stop telling you. She's a staff attorney for Lone Star Legal Aid. But sort of tell us um, what you do and in your line of work where you focus on domestic violence. You're just working with victims or... Well, yes, and I'm happy to be here. So, yes, I am a staff attorney at Lone Star Legal Aid in the Individual Safety Unit in Houston, Texas, and most of my clients are domestic violence and sexual assault victims. So what I do for them is I help them with family law matters like custody and divorces, some landlord-tenant, and some consumer um, issues. So basically what they do is they'll call, and if they're financially eligible, because we um, help the lower-income population, and if their background is domestic violence or sexual assault, then they're assigned to us, and then I assist them with their needs. Yeah, so it's almost as if, Brandy, I would, I would, you're part, I mean, you're full attorney, but kind of part attorney, part almost like social worker, caseworker, right? That is, I literally tell people, like attorney and counselor at law, I'm both. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you see that comes into play. Because I am an attorney, but at the same time, I'm not just necessarily helping them with their legal matters, but their personal matters, because they may need, you know, water, food, and assistance. And we actually have a really great social worker on staff, too, that helps with that as well. It sounds like your job would be, obviously, it's super important, but is it stressful? I can't imagine that it's not stressful. It is definitely stressful because the stories that I hear, and it's sad, but you have to learn how to. I've been doing this for almost five years in April, so I learned to try not to take it home with me. But I have that caring spirit, so I want to help everybody. So I am just want to fix everybody's problems and make sure everybody is whole. Yeah. So I mean, in your job, people are reaching out to Lone Star Legal Aid for help, for assistance. You were just telling me that you have um, several interviews lined up for tomorrow for people who need assistance. So they're reaching out to you. We're hoping that by focusing on domestic violence sort of all this week, that people might see it to maybe they haven't had the courage to reach out, but they've been thinking that they need to, they need more information. Either they're the the victim or they might know somebody who needs some assistance. And so I'm hoping with our conversation today, we can cover some things that that people might learn that could help them out of a dangerous, abusive situation. And I really do enjoy platforms like this because we need to get the word out. Like domestic violence can be like a silent thing. And it's like we don't want anybody to sit at home and be silent, like speak up or speak up for your friend because there are resources out there and we're here to help. Is it, are we seeing, um, and I don't even know how this is judged, whether it's by cases, because so many people don't speak out, but is there more, are there more cases of domestic violence now than there were, say, it feels like there were since before COVID, or are we just hearing about more of them? I think we're hearing about them more. I think COVID brought awareness to it because during COVID, we were locked in the house for a while. Mm -hmm. So you saw a lot of anger issues being brought out because 
um, at a point, you know, the abuser was able to go to work or able to get out the house. But now when you're stuck in a home with your abuser, you know, they were attacking that person more and taking out their anger out on them. So I think now you're, you're just I think more awareness is being brought. I think our laws are getting better. They still need help, but they're getting better to help the victim and survivor. Yeah, and um, we can talk a little bit about laws and what you think would help um, victims, but sort of where our um, jobs intersect is I do a lot of consumer investigative work. Um, and when they talk to me, the station talked to me about sort of filling in, helping out with this domestic violence thing and raising awareness. It's that intersection of if I'm a, a victim of domestic violence and I'm financially tied to my abuser, mm -hmm. meaning it seems like that would make it so hard or, or feel like an insurmountable, um, you know, feat to leave somebody when my existence, like, you know, my mortgage, my food, mm -hmm. like they're paying all my bills or our finances are tied together. Um, so, are there things that you can tell people who might be in a situation that how they can escape or how they can get out when they either may not be working or, you know, and, and may be dependent on the person that's abusing them? Well, one, I would say if you're trying to leave, then let's change the mindset, which that takes a lot, because what I want victims to know and soon to be survivors is don't let them have that control. Don't let the finances stop you from leaving. Because what can happen is, yes, you you feel like you're stuck and tied to that person because of finances. But there's so many resources out here that can help you. You can get on um, government assistance such as food stamps, TANF. You know, you can apply for health insurance. So never feel like because you don't have the financial resources, you can't leave. And then when you're preparing to leave, you also want to think, where can I go that is safe physically? mentally and emotionally mm -hmm. because those three things are important when we think of safe we think that oh well I can leave and it's physically safe but then you go there and you're like oh my gosh this person is stressing me out and I'm already trying to leave a stressful situation mm -hmm. so you want to go somewhere where you feel safe physically and then mentally and emotionally so you can have time to think of your next move and sort of what you were meaning by that is you know like maybe it's one of your relatives say a mm. parent which might be the first thing that we all always think of exactly but is that parent necessarily going to help you in that situation if it's an I told you so or yeah because yeah, wanna... parents can do it even siblings so you know we do sometimes like for me my safe space is my mom's house in Dallas but for me that is my physically mentally and emotionally safe space that may not be for somebody mm -hmm. so I want people to know just because you do have a relative that you feel like physically but are they gonna be mentally and emotionally there for you right that's a very good point and and you know so you're looking for sort of that safe place safe space that mm -hmm. you can go to um, should I start searching for these um, financial assistance routes if I need that before I leave I mean I don't know how long some of those things take to be approved if I were to you don't have to because the thing, the the most important thing is to get out. Mm -hmm. And what, what you can start with is first start out with like having copies that you have on hand, like any type of identification, passports, IDs, birth certificates. If you have children, you know, make a copy of those and then put them somewhere safe. Then get you like an overnight bag or a spend a night bag and put clothes in there. Do not leave those in any financial statements if you can have access to your financial records. Mm -hmm. Um you could put those in a bag. Do not leave it at home where the abuser can see it. Take it to a friend's house or that place where you feel safe. 
and then um, when you're ready to leave, have a safe word like pineapple or oranges. So when you call that person uh -huh. and say, hey, pineapple, that person can come down the street and meet you, you know, leave when the person is not there. And then you can you have all the stuff that you need. So then when you get ready to apply for the government assistance or any type of assistance, you'll have that information handy. Your social security number, yeah. kids social security numbers, like you don't want to leave those things behind. Right. And you can just make a copy of it too. So, mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes original is good, mm -hmm. but if you don't have time to get the original, at least have a copy to get started. I mean, when I started asking a lot of these questions about finance, and about, I mean, in these situations, I mean, it's sad, but a lot of times it is life or death. Or if, you, mm. you know, if your life is in danger, that can't be your first, that might be what's holding you back because you care about the safety and welfare and well-being of your children. But how safe are you if you stay and try to work all those things out? And usually you're not necessarily working those things out. You're just shielding the abuse from the children, but the children still see it. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that I would like to tell people out there, like, you're not just because you're taking the abuse and you feel like, oh, the abuser's not attacking the children. You've just been taking it for them. But mm -hmm. it could potentially go to the children. And even though the abuser may not be physically, but they may be verbally or mentally abusing the children. Wow. And they yeah. can see that. Right. Yeah. And, and grow to think that that's normal. Exactly. And that's, you know, um, how loved ones treat each other. Um, okay, so when we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit about some things that people can do and some research that they can do. You told me about a really interesting thing um, that victims would need to know about if they are mm -hmm. looking for answers on um, finding resources um, and how they can kind of hide some of that stuff. So when we come back, we're going to talk about that. We'll be right back. Welcome back to this segment of Ask Amy. We are focusing on all things domestic violence and hopefully providing some valuable information to victims of domestic violence or people who know someone who might be a victim of domestic violence who might see this. Brandy Lowry is a staff attorney with Lone Star Legal Aid, and you specialize in domestic violence and sexual abuse cases. Um, so we want to make one thing clear while we're giving sort of tips to people that this isn't, even though you are an attorney, it's not legal advice. Why is that important that people know that it is important because I don't want anybody to feel like that I'm representing them and then um, maybe take their information differently and use it for you know non-legal purposes or whatever so I just want to say you know this is intended to serve as legal information and does not replace legal advice so if you need to contact Lone Star Legal Aid you can you can call us at 713-652-0077 or you can apply, apply online at LoneStarLegal.org or give us a call yeah, and so you mentioned too. So when they call that number, we'll put it up here so everybody can see it. Seven one three six five two zero zero seven seven, Monday through Friday, eight to five. If you call, that people could actually apply over the phone. So if they don't ac have access to the internet or a computer, mm -hmm. they can just talk to somebody and submit their information to see if they qualify for help from Correct. you guys. Um, and even if they don't qualify for help from you guys, they can go online. They can go to Lone Star Legal Aid. And you said if if somebody is searching, sort of on online and trying to get some of these answers like what to do next, what I should do now, that there's an easy way to do that and not um, tip off or or show your hand to an abuser if you're living in the same household. So you, if you are on our website or even like the National Domestic Violence um, Hotline, 
on the website or any of the shelters, there's a safe exit button. It's usually at the top in the left um, for our website. And when you click that, like if your abuser is coming in or if you're done searching, click the safe exit button. It clears the browser history. So then if the abuser goes back checking your, your browser history, it won't show up. It'll make it seem like it's something else, like um, you were checking for a cruise or something like that. Uh -huh. But it will not show that you were looking for resources to leave your situation. And it's pretty easy to see the safe exit yes, button? Yes, it says safe exit. And uh, then it has like a little door, like, you know, like you're leaving. Awesome. Okay. All right. That is very good information. Mm -hmm. um, so knowing that you might be able to do that while you're at home, you don't have to go find a, a friend's computer or go to the library to look for some of these same resources. Um, you mentioned that, you know, you guys, I'm sure, get asked to help far more clients than what you're able to help. Mm -hmm. um, but you said something to me that I thought was interesting is that, you know, we don't even necessarily take a case unless the person has left the home with their abuser. Talk about that and why is that? So I personally, again, I want to help everybody. If I could help everybody, I can. But I don't want to put somebody in a situation to where in any lawsuit, a person has to be served on the other end. Mm -hmm. So meaning the constable or the sheriff will come to your door and hand that person the document that they're being served. I don't want to put a um, a victim in that situation because of being a, that are being abused because that can upset them. Even if they're at work and be served, and the victim is still in the home, the abuser can come back and just get in a rage, get angry, mm -hmm. and take it out on that person. And I don't ever want to put that person in harm's way. So I prefer for you, if you are wanting our services, still definitely research, still contact us, still apply. But I prefer for you to be out of the home, be somewhere safe. And then if the person does get served, well, you're already out their way. So they Got can it. get angry at home and tear up everything at home. That's fine. But you won't be there. Got it. And you're mostly talking when you're saying being served. I mean, if you're married mm -hmm. or common law married in these cases, you have to be you're you're usually helping them serve divorce papers, divorce papers, custody cases, you know, even landlord tenant cases. So, yeah. And those are the kinds of things that you help with when you mm -hmm. do when you guys are able to take on a case custody. You didn't I mean, don't even always think about that, like custody issues. There's custody issues. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Yeah, because of the fact that the abuser will use control. Well, I'm going to take the children away from you if you leave me or, you know, if you file for divorce, then I'm going to get custody. And that's a lot of times what keep people in the home because they're scared because they start listening because of that control that they're used to. And um, regardless, women or men are scared to lose their children. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, I'd rather stay and put up with this because I don't want that person to take my children away from me. Right. You talked about something called, a, was it a an abuser wheel? Like, it's a power and control wheel. A power and control wheel. What do you mean by that? So a power and control wheel, um, it's, it's a wheel, and it lists everything that an abuser does to you. So it's like um, they can be financially abused, mental abuse, verbal abuse, but it's just a control that abuser has and how it ex escalates mm -hmm. to get to you know physical, verbal, and mentally. And and you mentioned that one of the things on that... that um, power and control wheel is financial. Oh, yeah. And then it's a fairly new thing. But, you know, not only might your finances be tied to your abuser in that you depend on them, but they might also sort of make 
I mean, be dependent on you or use some of your to explain that to me. So financial coercion, it's it's new. I would say maybe five to maybe five years old. Let me say it's not new. It's being talked about now uh-huh. because this has been going on for a while. So financial coercion basically is if an abuser is making you take a credit card out or a loan in your name and using it against your will pretty much. So like they're forcing you to like, hey, you need to buy this car for me. And they're forcing you to do it and then they don't pay the bill. They let it go back. You know, it messes up your credit. Mm-hmm. So that's financial coercion. And, and that is a form of abuse. Yeah. And I mean, and so when all of those things happen, I mean, you're learning about that and dealing with that um, because when somebody leaves, I mean, is there any way out of that? Or you you sort of signed all those documents to take out somebody's well, loan? Well, I mean, still at the end of the day, well, you can also file criminal charges against them too. But still at the end of the day, you know, it's marital debt, and it was done within like in, like in community property. Uh-huh. So what we can do is we can ask for reimbursement in the divorce. Okay. And as long as you have your documentation saying you know, not documentation, like you know, you have your statements, and we know, like we can figure out what he did and what she did or whatever. But we can ask for reimbursement and they can reimburse them in a divorce for those bills got it okay um that that is very interesting i mean all those things that you don't necessarily think about um let's talk a little bit about protective orders because when you're talking about being out of the home when somebody served and and sort of what a protective order is and what it can actually do um because you know i i have heard and i said is this just sort of a um something that people say that's not true, that sometimes the most dangerous time is right after someone has been served with a protective order because like the divorce paperwork, it makes them angry. Well, protective orders are powerful. I mean, despite what what you think, like if you feel like you need a protective order, absolutely file for a protective order and you can file here in Harris County. They're free. I think Mm -hmm. protective orders are free throughout all the other counties, but I mainly are in like in Harris, Brazoria, Fort Bend County and Montgomery County. Uh But protective orders are free to file. And here in Harris County, we have the 280 district court, which is our protective order court. So you will file a protective order and you can file a temporary ex parte protective order, which gives you while you're waiting on your hearing day. It'll give you like 20 days protection until you have your hearing. Okay. Um, in a protective order, though, if you have a family violence protective order, you have to prove two things. You have to prove that there's a history of family violence and you have to prove that family violence is likely to occur in the future. So basically, you're having to tell the judge, yes, the abuser has been abusing me all this time, but I'm also scared of this person if you don't give me the protective order. Got it. And then with the protective order, you do have to serve that person and that person does have the right to appear in court. So to get a protective order, then, do I necessarily have to have reported it to police? Does they, do they mean that kind of evidence that, that there have been incidents before? No, your testimony alone. I mean, we tend to say, you know, oh, well, you need a police report. Well, a lot of times people don't call the police. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they're scared to call the police because they feel like the police may not do anything. So a lot of times victims are sitting at home suffering in silence and not realizing, you know, well, they're thinking if I call the police, he may kill me. Uh-huh. I may, or she or he or she may, um, I may upset them. So you don't necessarily have to call the police to have a protective order. Okay. It helps, but I don't want anybody to feel like, oh, because I didn't call the police, I can't get a protective order. Right. Um, what can it not do? I mean, and, and I'm going to say in the news recently here in the last, within the last month, we saw the news about the alleged abuser who returned to the family home. Mm-hmm. He had a protective order and he set it on fire while he was inside. I mean, there are only so many things, I guess, that that the police can do. I mean, what what do you tell people, okay, here's what to expect. 
you know. Well, with a protective order, they're not supposed to come within like 200 or so feet away from you. From you, if you have children from the daycare, from your home. Um, if you are there, you don't necessarily have to leave. Like if y'all both show up at the grocery store at the same time, mm-hmm. that person is supposed to leave, not you. But I would also tell my clients, just because they you were there first, still leave. Yeah. Because you don't know what that person may do. So still leave. If um, if you have, I tell them, keep a copy of your protective order. If they do come at you, call the police mm-hmm. and show them I have a protective order. So never just, the protective order does help. It has some type of safety. Unfortunately, people still will do what they want to do anyway. But having a protective order still gives you some type of safety. Got it. Okay. Because what happened in the news, he ended up going to jail anyway, Mm -hmm. and he violated that protective order. Right. So even though I don't do any criminal, but that might probably help. It's like you violated protective order and you set this house on fire. Right. So just like added charges towards him. So against him. Got it. Okay. You said a really interesting thing to me um, before we started this conversation. I'd like to talk about it when we come back. Um, And this is just sort of advice for anybody who has a friend or a family member who you might suspect is going through Mm -hmm. abuse in a relationship. We're going to talk about that when we come back. Welcome back to this episode of Ask Amy. We are here again talking to Brandy Lowry with Lone Star Legal Aid about domestic violence. And one thing that you said to me that I thought was really surprising is you mentioned the number seven, mm-hmm. seven times. And why is that significant um, when it comes to domestic violence victims? So statistics show that it takes about the seven time for somebody to leave. So usually, you know, like the first couple of times, they'll go and then they'll come back. They'll leave and come back. But usually on that seventh time, um, they will finally leave. They'll finally get their courage to leave and not come back. So usually about seven times is when a person actually finally is like, I'm fed up and I'm done and I don't want to do this anymore. Um, especially like because it's usually uh, many times, I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, you're the expert, but it's an escalating situation. Not necessarily. Really? It's, it doesn't have to be an escalated situation. It could just be, you know, they're just tired because a lot of times abuse is not necessarily physical. It mm-hmm. can be verbal and it can be mentally. So it may not be escalating. So when you say seven times, we mean seven instances of some sort of abuse, mm-hmm. whether it's verbal or physical. And I, I, feel like in most situations we've all sort of maybe not all of us but have seen a situation where we think wow I can't believe that person's in that situation and then we see them go back to it it's really common it is common and we need to because if you have a friend in that situation don't judge them because we tend as humans to be like oh I can't believe you keep going back to him and why are you doing this or going back to her and how dare you we don't need to do that. What we need to do is be kind, give that person grace and just be a listening ear to that person because eventually they will leave and they're going to want to go to somebody who's not going to judge them. Right. And and so just sort of to recap some of the things that we have talked about here um, initially, when that person gets the courage to make that first step to leave an abusive relationship, we've talked about Lone Star Legal Aid and the domestic violence that the national um, the, the national the national domestic violence hotline and it's a 1-800 number and they have a website but on those websites they have that safe exit button yes where you safe can leave. exit yes. so if you're looking around there we've given the phone number for lone star legal aid where people can call just as a resource mm-hmm. um, and that number again let's give it is 713-652-0077 and we deal with 72 counties on like the southern sector of sector of texas 
Oh, wow. So that's a pretty huge area. Yes. So they might not be in the Houston area. And then are you guys able to refer people if they call, if they see this from somewhere outside mm -hmm. of, the, of the Texas area? One thing that you mentioned, too, is if you don't meet sort of the income level or you're not low income enough to qualify for help from Lone Star Legal Aid, you guys sometimes can... There's other resources out there because you can call the State Bar of Texas if you're in Houston, the Houston Volunteer Lawyers Association. So there's other resources out there if we're unable to help you. Okay. Um, and then just other things we're recapping is a go bag, having a bag ready, packed. Yes. And tell me what kinds of things I need in there, including documents. So definitely have your important documents in there. I would say like a spend a night bag, like maybe some clothes for at least for a couple of days or a week. Because later on, you can go back when the person is not there and getting your stuff out. Just enough to get you, I guess, through the next couple of days mm -hmm. while you're getting yourself together. And financial documents or, or paperwork, meaning like copies of your like your driver's license, your state ID, your passport, any financial statements, birth certificates, anything that is in of, of importance, then you need a copy of that or at least get the original and put it in that bag. Right. And then do not keep the bag at home. Have it at somebody else's house. Okay. All right. And identifying somebody else that you feel like you can go to. Right. And you probably don't want to make it sort of the first person that your abuser might think about. You can if you feel safe and physically, mentally, and emotionally. But um, the abuser may go there, but then call the police if he shows up and then apply for a protective order. Yeah. All, all really good tips, a lot of good information. Brandy, I appreciate you sitting down with us today. In our show notes, we're going to include um, the links to Lone Star Legal Aid and a lot of the resources that we mm -hmm. mentioned here, and we'll explain sort of how to file for a protective order. You keep hearing that, but it's like, but where? Where do I go? How do I do it? You can actually file a protective order on your own. Like I said, it's free. You can go to TexasLawHelp.org, and they have a protective order toolkit on that site. Okay. So you can do that as well, too. So if you are... Always, again, never wait. If you are in danger, leave. Call 911, get that safety bag, and leave. Call somebody to come get you. Like I said, you can use a safe word like pineapples, chocolate, or whatever. But do not suffer in silence because there's plenty of resources out there that is able to assist. All right. Uh, Brandy, thank you so much for joining us today. And we hope that um, this information has been helpful to you um, or maybe someone that you know needs this information. We would ask you to share it um, to possibly save a life. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a great week.